This is Psalm number 37, please. <clears throat> Psalm 37. We're going to begin reading at verse 34 through 38. I want to begin. This is sort of a sub-series. Uh, I've been talking about the beautiful life for several weeks. This is another sub-series of that. Um, it will be at least today and Sunday. We'll see how the Lord leads further from that. Okay? So Psalm 37. We're going to begin reading at verse 34 and we'll end at verse 38. Everybody have that? Yes. Okay, read it from the King James Version. If you don't have that version, it's on the screen in front of you. Let's read together. Ready, read. Wait on the Lord and keep his way. All right, let's start over. I'm waiting on everybody to catch up. Is it on the screen? Okay, all right. You gonna get on the screen? I want new King James. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, no, I'm new King James. That's, that's the, exactly right. That's exactly right, Tamara. Exactly right. All right, we're good. Okay, so Psalm 37, verse 34 through 38 from the New King James Version. Let's read together. Ready, read. Wait on the Lord and keep his way, and he shall exalt you to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, you shall see it. I have seen the wicked in great power and spreading himself like a native green tree. Yet he passed away, and behold, he was no more. Indeed, I sought him, but he could not be found. Mark the blameless man and observe the upright, for the future of that man is peace. But the transgressors shall be destroyed together. The future of the wicked shall be cut off. Hallelujah. Mark the blameless man in verse 37. And observe the upright for the future of that man is peace. Today I want to talk on the sub. This is part one, bright futures, bright futures. Today, Father, we give you thanksgiving and praise for the opportunity we have now to, to spend this time in your word. I ask you, Father, that you do as always, give us uh, eyes to see, ears to hear, and give us the good hearts, noble hearts, honest hearts that can conceive the word of God. That as the word comes, we'll accept it, we'll keep it, and bring forth fruit in our lives 30, 60, and 100 fold. I speak that your people are ready. We are ready. Our faith is ready. Our spirits are ready, God. We have readiness of mind to receive the word of God today. So speak now from heaven, we pray, and we receive you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. And amen. All right. Bright futures, praise God. Thank you very much, gentlemen. We've been asking for the last uh, couple weeks here, three weeks or so, two questions. And the main two questions we've been asking are, are how attractive are you? And secondly, how attractive do you want to be? And I don't know about you, but I want to be a 10. I want to be in the kingdom of God. I want to be a stud. <laughs> Hallelujah. And those of you who been here, you know I'm not talking anything, you know, negative, anything vain. I'm talking about how we are in the kingdom of God. Because what we did was we allowed the Lord to define for us what attractiveness is or what beauty is. We were basing on this verse in Psalm 149 verse 4 where it says the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He will beautify the humble with what? 
So we saw that salvation is what God uses to beautify his people. Right? And we looked at that word salvation from the Hebrew, the Hebrew word Yeshua, which uh, gives us six words out of there. Salvation, deliverance, welfare, prosperity, victory, and health. So then we asked six questions, right, to see how, how attractive we were, how attractive we are. We can judge each other. Those of you who are looking for a mate, you can, you can judge this way how attractive they are. Not by their curly hair and their good looks, but what God calls attractive. And we ask the questions, are you saved? Have you been delivered? Are you faring well? Are you financially prosperous? Are you living in victory? And lastly, are you walking in health? Okay? So that's what we used, according to the word, to define what beauty is or what attractiveness is. So what, I've been, what I was trying to get across to us was that this is what God wants for his people. He wants all of his children to live like this in beauty, to live in salvation and deliverance and prosperity and victory and health, so on and so forth, okay? We, we, could, we could call this, uh, some of y'all may remember a few years back, 2017, I think it was, we called that the year of total victory, right? So we could call salvation and prosperity and healing and deliverance and welfare and, and all these things. We can call that total victory, right? We could also call it what the Bible calls the perfection of beauty. You remember that? In Psalm number 50, verse 2. Put it on the screen for me, please. Psalm 50, verse 2, where the Bible says, Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty. So we know beauty can be perfected. So there are people who spend a lot of time trying to perfect their beauty. Am I right about it? Time in the mirror. Time with the cosmetologist. Come on now. Time with the esthetician. <laughs> Time with the um, uh, plastic surgeon. Money. Trying to perfect their beauty. But the Bible says out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, what will happen? God will shine forth. So God wants to shine forth and he can only shine forth out of the, out of the perfection of beauty. So when the church is beautiful, God shines forth. God doesn't want an ugly church. I'm just saying, he doesn't want this church that we got today. This, this, this half-baked church that's half-hearted and barely really doing it, barely making it, bottom of the totem pole, lowest of the echelon, begging the government for handouts. Begging corporations for handouts. Y'all quiet here. Looking like the worst in the, in the litter. That's not God's plan for us. The Bible says out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God will shine forth. So God needs our beauty perfected. Y'all got it? All right, now, let's go to a scripture here that we didn't spend much time on in that part of the series, but let's look over here. In 1 Peter, please, in chapter 5. 1 Peter, near the end of the Bible. 1 Peter chapter 5, in verses 5 and 6. We, we mentioned it, but let's use that as our launching pad. 1 Peter 5, verse 5 and 6. Let me know when you get there by saying amen. amen. All right. 
He says, likewise, you younger people do what? Okay. That's powerful all by itself right there. I don't have time to deal with that, but just that's important. Because your elders know the way. Your elders been through what you're trying to get to. Or they've been delivered from what you're still trying to get through. <laughs> they have some wisdom by God and, just, and some wisdom just by experience. Y'all got that? So likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another. So we need each other, don't we? We need correction from each other. We need sharpening. We need challenging from each other. Amen? And be clothed with what? Humility. Now remember, God resists the proud, is what it says here, but gives grace to the humble. We talked about how God beautifies the who? The humble or the humble with salvation. So it says be clothed with this. Put it on. This clothing is not like you take a jacket on when it's cold, put a jacket on when it's cold and take it off when it's warm. This clothing means you actually now make it part of yourself. So, in other words, become an humble person. Make humility your trait, your characteristic. Everybody knows you as being an humble person. God called Moses the most humble man he knew. So he, he was clothed with humility. All right? So he says, be clothed with humility for God resists the proud. Remember that word resist I taught you means to be in battle against? And then it says, God, but gives grace, that empowerment, that supernatural ability to who? The humble. How many of y'all are humble in here? Good. See how you admitted that you're humble? That's wonderful. That's good. That's our confession of faith. I'm humble. Verse 6. Therefore, why for? Because God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, why for? Because God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. So therefore, humble yourselves. Humble who? Don't humble somebody else. Humble yourself. And God's not going to humble you. God humble me. God, I'm asking you to humble me down. People sing songs about God. Oh, humble me down. God doesn't humble you. Humble yourself. It's something you and I have to do. We have to subject ourselves, submit ourselves, lower ourselves. Got it? Because God's, God is going to do something in response to that. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that, or you can write in your Bible, so that he may or he will be now allowed or able to exalt you in what? Due time. So unless I humble myself, he cannot, he's not able to exalt me. See, if I'm exalting myself, he has to stand back. And matter of fact, not only is he going to stand back, he's going to resist me, the Bible says. Okay? He resists the proud, but gives grace. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may do what? Exalt you in due time. Now, that word exalt is the Greek word hupsoo. Hupsoo. Y'all remember that? Anybody awake in here in this Baptist church? 
Okay. Hupsoo, which means to lift up on high. This is what God, what the Bible says, that he may do to you. By may means be allowed to. He's going to do it as long as you make room for him to do it. Okay? He's, he said when we humble ourselves, he's going to lift us on high, exalt us. Metaphorically, it means to raise, I love this, to the very summit. Summit is the top. Like you mountain climbers, the summit. The summit of opulence and prosperity or prosperity. That's how I like to say it. It just it seems like you ought to say it like that, prosperity. Whenever you're talking like that, you need to say prosperity. Exalt me to the very summit Boy, I wonder y'all could just chew on that just for 10, 15 seconds. This is not us getting by. This is not us clocking in. This is not clocking in. This is not having to balance your checkbook. trying to have a budget meeting. There's, there's no budget on this when you get to this, this point. See? Not when you've hit the summit of opulence and prosperity. See? There's a level that God's trying to take us to that uh, is beyond what we can ask or think. Right? In Ephesians 3.20 He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or think. See? Problem with us, most of us, is that we've been thinking way too small. Way too small for God. Our thoughts are not his thoughts. Our ways aren't his ways. So we got to forsake our ways and forsake our thoughts and come up to God's level of thinking. God's not thinking about you getting a new Cadillac. Think about you having a dealership. See? It's not thinking about you getting a new house finally. He's thinking about you having a whole subdevelopment, subdivision, the whole thing. You know what I'm saying? He's See, we're talking about the, the, the summit. It's a top. We're talking about the top 1% in America. You know it doesn't take much to be in the top 1%. Do you know you only need to make about $350,000 a year to be in the top 1% of America? Did that, did that hit anybody? You only need about $350,000 a year to be in the top 1%. You're not that far away, are you? But you know there's a top 1% of the top 1%. The summit. Larry Ellison. Larry Ellison. He's the owner of a company called Oracle. How many of y'all ever heard of Oracle? Oracle based, well, I should say they were based in California. Software company out there in Silicon Valley. 
And, um, you know, people, are, they're, they're fleeing from California. Companies are, are shutting down, or not shutting down, they're moving out of California. They want to be in that communist state. And uh, he moved his company out to, to Texas, Austin, Texas. And uh, he said he was moving, he was moving personally to, to Lanai, Hawaii. Lanai, you know, we all, you know, we build a house, we want to put a Lanai on the back, in the back. We have, a, at our house, we have a Lanai and a pool. No, he has, he owns, he owns an island, the island of Lanai. His own personal private island. And that's a Lanai right there, if you own the whole Lanai. And he had announced he was moving out there because he has, you know, property. But the other day they just announced he just bought an $80 million mansion in Palm Beach, Florida. He said, I'm going to move over there in Florida. He'll just go to Hawaii maybe every, you know, because Hawaii communists right now too, they, they stuck, shut down, you know. See, I'm talking about the summit. And God said, my people are the ones who's supposed to be at the top of that. Okay, I'm, I might only get through the 10 or 15 of y'all, maybe. I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Let's see if I'm in the right house by the time we're done. Notice it says here, some of the opulence and prosperity to exalt, to raise to dignity, honor, and happiness. How many of y'all want to be happy? How many of y'all be happy if you had a little bigger estate? A little more room for your clothes. And a little more room for your cars. And more room for your grandbabies to run around the backyard, you know. Right? I mean, whatever makes you happy. God is not opposed to your happiness. My preacher series on uh, a couple years ago, The Pursuit of Happiness. God wants you happy. Your happiness is God's idea. Paul said, I think myself happy. Hallelujah. So God wants you to be happy, and he knows what will make you happy. He knows what kind of spouse, what kind of house. Right? He knows what kind of food makes you happy. He knows what kind of clothes. He knows all the things that make you happy. You see? So he wants to raise us to the top of that here. He says, but if you... So for me to do that, you got to humble yourself. Okay? Now, let's go back to that scripture here in um, 1 Peter 5, verse 6. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may do what? Win. So notice he's talking about exalting Deke, but also a time. So the exaltation, this raising, this increase has a time. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay? That word time is the Greek word kairos, where we get that word kairos from. Which means due measure. It's a measure of time. It's a fixed and definite time. The time when things are brought to crisis are brought to a head. In other words, there's a time when everything's going to come to a head in your life. I'm I'm talking about all your dreams, all your visions, all the things God has said to you, all the seeds you've been sowing, long-standing seeds. 
that there's a time when God's going to bring it all to a crisis, all to a head, and it's going to seem like a suddenly. Suddenly God brought you out. Suddenly God brought you over. Suddenly God brought you into the new land. Suddenly God raised you up. Suddenly God increased you. Suddenly God turned things around. And it's going to feel like a sully in your life, but God is saying, that was a time I had marked out. So that I may exalt you in due time. Y'all know what due time is, right? When you have a, a light bill or a water bill or a phone bill, there's a date by which it's due. Now, you can pay it early if you want to. That's what I do. I just pay my bills. I pay the bill as soon as it comes. That, that's not because I'm trying to show out. It's just because I ain't got to remember it no more then. I'd much rather pay it and, not, and, just, and forget it. Because, <laughs> you know, it's hard to sleep when you got bills over your head, you know, light bills. I gotta be, I'm due in three days. Due in ten days. I'd just rather, just, as soon as it comes, just pay it and forget it. But there's a due time. There's a, there's a set time. And he says that I may exalt you in due time. The time when things are brought to crisis, the decisive epoch or era Time, season, waited for. Any of y'all waiting on God to do something? An opportune or seasonable time. Watch this at the end. The right time. Somebody say the right time. So God has the right time set for you. In fact, he says in Ecclesiastes 3 that God makes everything beautiful in its time. So there are some things that you and I believe in God for that if they came now, it wouldn't be beautiful. It'll be a mess. Come on, tell the truth. It'll be a mess. And mo most of us, if we got some of the things we're believing God for, it'll actually kind of mess us up right now. Come on now. Some of y'all, you, you, you believe in God for Rolls Royce, but you know, you tr you're struggling to buy tires on your, uh, on the Yugo right now. You know what I'm saying? You, you can't run the Roosevelt. I'm going to run the Roosevelt. Give me tire for the, for the Rolls. You can't. N nothing against Roosevelt. Nothing against Roosevelt. They got a good, good thing going over there. But you can't run down to Roosevelt getting no tires on the Rolls Royce. See? And if you got a, if you got a Roosevelt mentality, you, can't, can't, you ain't ready. Nothing against Roosevelt. I know I got probably some Roosevelt friends and cousins here. Nothing against Roosevelt. I'm saying, let me use somebody else. You can't. Uh, tires plus. Goodyear. Fire. You can't go there and get no tires on no Rolls Royce. You got to take it to Rose or ship it off to them. I don't believe in God for a mansion. You know, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a, I live in a nice neighborhood. And there's a, there's a house being built by some Christians, actually, in our neighborhood. They bought what was the biggest, I guess the biggest plot of land in the neighborhood. And it had a beautiful, big old house on it. They tore it down. And they're building a brand new one. I mean, it's, I think it's almost done. Like, it's pretty much done. And um, you know the property taxes on that land, 60 grand a year. Property that you, even if God gave you the house debt-free. Still 60 grand a year. You got to pay the county just to be able to go on. You know what I'm saying? See, so there's a, there's a, there's a, um, a shift 
that has to happen in our minds to get to this opulent summit of opulence and prosperity God's talking about. And he says, though, if you humble yourself, I'll do it. And I'll chasten you along the way. I love that. I'll chasten you along the way and tell you, no, don't buy this, buy that. Don't buy that cheap cologne, buy this nice cologne. <laughs> See? <laughs> yeah, I know it. I know it. All right? So there's, a, there's the right time. So this right time, this due time, speaks to your future. So God has some plans for us to prosper us in due time. Remember Galatians 6 verse 9 where he says, and be not weary in well-doing. I'm probably quoting King James. It's King James in my head. Be not weary in well-doing for in due season you shall reap if you faint not. In due season. So don't be weary. Don't quit. Don't draw back. Don't throw in the towel. Just keep on going because in due season, you're going to reap if you faint not. If you don't quit, if you don't draw back, if you don't, as New King James says, lose heart. Okay? So there's a set time God has for our elevation. Hallelujah. Oh, boy. And I don't know about you, but I feel like it's, my time's getting closer and closer and closer. See, because he doesn't, he doesn't do it instantly. He does it gradually. You got to grow into this. Tell your neighbor you got to grow into this. He don't want to shock you. So you ever see these people, they win the lottery or they, they get a major, you know, sports contract and they get shocked into prosperity. Before you know it, they've blown everything. They, I mean, they, see, so God knows he has to gradually increase us, gradually grow us, gradually mature us, gradually chasten us, gradually uh, bring us to the point where we can handle what he's doing in our lives. So God, no matter where you are right now, his mind is on your future. Oh, thank you, Lord. Put up, oh, thank you, Holy Ghost. Um, Romans 8, and let's start at verse 28. Romans 8, verse 28, let's start there. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Everybody say, I have a purpose. Okay, verse 29. For whom he foreknew, whom he foreknew, y'all know this verse? Whom he foreknew, that means he knew you before. He knew you when you was clubbing. He knew you when you was still thugging. He knew you when you was still tricking. Hoeing. Tipping, slipping, tripping, dipping, sipping, pimping. That's it? That's enough? Smoking and choking? Daddy. 
we say we were twinkling your daddy's britches. You was, God knew you already. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined, come on, to be conformed to the image, come on, of his son, that or so that he, Jesus, might be the firstborn among many brethren. Okay? Now this is the plan he had to work because he always had your future and he always has your future in mind. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. That's why the club began to be That's why hanging out the way you used to hang out begin to be like, uh. he was calling you. He was drawing you. He's been pulling you in. He saw you where you were, but he had your future in mind. I mean, he saw you with your head in the toilet bowl and still said, I love him. I love her. I got a good plan. Wait till she find out the plan I have for her life. Wait till he finds out what plan I have for his life. Over whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also what? And whom he justified, these he also glorified. Amplified says raise up to a heavenly dignity or condition or state of being. He raises it up to a heavenly dignity, condition, or state of being. So God has done all that because he always had and always has our future in mind. That's why God, that's why God gives us dreams and visions. That's what a vision is all about. Giving you a foretaste or a glimpse of future. Anybody here have a vision that God has shown you, something that just stuck out to you? It's because he has your future in mind, and he's trying to give you a preview of coming attractions. Don't cast that off. That vision, that dream is supposed to, is, is supposed to begin to serve as a guidepost for your life. If it's a God dream, I mean, if, it, if it's a God vision, it's going to compel you and constrain you and pull you in a certain direction. Anybody here have a God vision now? You see, if you have, I mean, it's sure enough. Now, if you, if you don't have one, don't, don't feel bad. Ask God to give it to you. Ask God, God, show me my future. Show me a little bit of what you have in store for me, and he'll do it. See? But some of us, God did it when we were still little children. Oh, yeah. While you were still little children, God began to show you things. Some of you, 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 you didn't see it until you first got born again, and you just got a, whoa, that, that, that dream was weird. It wasn't weird, it was God. See, he's trying to give you something. And when it is from God, it begins to, to constrain you. No, I can't do that. Because I, I got a feeling I'm supposed to be doing this. He begins to pull you a certain way because he's trying to get you into your future. That's why he has to bring certain, um, uh, certain revelation your way. 
You know, there are things that you know that God has shown you that other people have not seen yet. See, it's because he's trying to steer you in a certain direction. And I'm just going to tell you, you can clap if you want to and, you know, fold your arms if you want to. But if God brought you to this church under this ministry with this voice, it's because he has something huge. See, because he don't let me get up here and speak no small talk and no little talk and just, you know, do the best you can and get along. But no, no, he's going to always have me pull you and challenge you to something bigger and better and more grand than you thought because he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all you can ask or think. So he has to use me to stir up your thinking. Stir up your asking. Because his plan for your future is big. You all with me today? Now, so no matter how things look now, I want you to hear me. I want, I want everybody to hear me on this. Y'all perk up here. I don't care what's going on in your life. I don't care where you are now. I don't, things might be rough, boy, and tough. I'm telling you, if you stay with God, you've got a bright future ahead of you. If you stay with God. See? In other words, with God, <laughs> this is a beautiful thing about it, D. It, it doesn't matter where you started. See, God, God, I won't say a bad man, but God, God is so awesome. God pulled David out of the sheepfold. When Israel needed a king, I said when Israel needed a king, God pulled David out of the sheepfold, dirty, smelling like sheep, and said, you the man. Oh, I wish I had somebody here to get this today. See, it doesn't matter how low down you may be on society's totem pole, when God puts his hand on your life. He said, you the man, you're the woman. I have a big plan for your life. God needed somebody to lead Israel out of Egypt. He used a murderer. You know, Moses was a murderer. See, because it doesn't matter how you start. The moment you get in alignment with God, he's going to lead you to the bright future he's always had planned for your life. Y'all hear me what I'm saying to you today? You are not disqualified from God using you. If you're here today, God's working with you. And if you stay with him, tell your neighbor, if you stay with him, God's going to use you. Tell him whatever you do, stay with God. Tell somebody else, stay with God. It might get rough, but stay with God. It might get tough, but stay with God. You might lose a couple of friends here and there. 
You might lose some associates, some family here and there, but stay with God. Okay? That's the only way you're going to get to this glorious future he has for you, is you got to stay with him. We are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who go forward to the saving of the soul. See? So I got to stay with God. Put up Jeremiah 29, verse 11. Here's a scripture y'all know. Jeremiah 29, verse 11. I want to show you again that you have a bright future. We can just kind of hang out right now. It's raining outside, but we can just hang out. We can let our hair, hair down and, right? Let my hair down. Me, the deep. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says who? The Lord. the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil, come on, to give you a future. So God's thinking about you. God's thinking about you all the time. The Bible says God is always mindful of us. That's what your Bible says. He is always mindful of us. You're always on God's mind. You're always on God's mind. And his thoughts are of peace, not of evil, to give us a future. To give us, notice you say that, give us a future. That means that without him, you don't have a future. (laughs) So he has to give us a future. People trying to plan their future. If you're not with God, you don't have a future. He has to give us a future. But notice he says give us a future and a hope. So it's going to be a good future, right? Okay, let's look at that same verse, please, in the New Living Translation, please. The New Living Translation. Notice what it says here, because we're going to see a different word than thoughts here. It says, for I know the plans I have for you. God has plans. Says the Lord, they are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and hope. Let's look at that also in the Good News Translation, the GNT, the Good News Translation. I want you to see this here. Can you read this with me? Read it, read. I alone know the plans I have for you. Who? I alone. That means don't go to some root lady. Don't go to no Ouija board. Don't be asking no eight ball. No tarot cards. No rocks, beads, stones. No incense, no sage. And not your cousin. For I alone know the plans I have for you. Plans to bring you. Plans to bring you. Shadow like an army. Now did y'all roll our prosperity? Prosperity and not disaster. Plans to bring, watch this. Plans to bring about the future you hope for. The future you hope for. In, in Psalm 37, verse 4. Now we're in Psalm 37, right? That's our main scripture today. We'll get to it next on Wednesday probably. But in Psalm 37, verse 4, it uses this phrase. It says, delight yourself in the Lord. And he shall also give you the desires of your heart. 
a more literal translation of that verse would actually be, if you delight yourself in the Lord, he shall give you to desire a thing. Or he shall put desires in your heart. That's a more literal translation of that. He shall give you desires in your heart. Not just the desires of your heart. He shall give you the desires in your heart. Now, if he puts a desire in your heart, he's going to give you the desires of your heart because he put them there. So the things that you desire, now, not wicked stuff, but those big things that you desire, it's not because, well, you just saw it somewhere. It's because God has begun to put desires in your heart. You see? And so if he puts those desires in your heart, then all of a sudden that, those things, or how it looks when it's all said and done, that's the future you hope for. Does everybody have something in their mind when you think, you know, all right, when it's all said and done, before I leave this planet, here's how I, Lord, here's how I want my life to look. Now, first of all, let me, let me, just, let me just back up a second. I got to make sure I'm in the right church. Y'all understand that that's not materialistic, that that's not, that's not some uh, immature thing for you to have a vision of a future. People in mainline church want to make you think that if you have some desires, there's something wrong with that, you're not spiritual. No, he said, I'll put desires in you. So you wanting something bigger, okay. In Hebrews 11, it talks about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And it says that God was not ashamed to be called their God. It said uh, they desired a better country. Put it up there, media. Uh, put it up there for me. Um, in Hebrews 11, I think it is. Okay, verse 16. But now they desire a better that is a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. What? The reason they desired was because he prepared something for them. So he didn't want what he prepared to go to waste, so he had to put a desire in there for them. He had to, to whet their appetites. That's what God does for you and me when he exposes us to things, lets us see things. Is he's wetting our appetite to desire something because he knows what he has prepared for us. Can y'all see this? So that future you hope for is because he put that desire in there. That's why he has to make sure we get filled with faith. Because faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. That's why we're able to keep going. Because, man, I got a hope in a future. And I, something in me says, we used to sing a song, something down in me say, go ahead. How many of y'all remember that song? Something down in me say, go ahead. None of y'all Baptists or Methodists, but this Pentecostal. Something down in me say, go ahead. It was, go ahead. Go ahead, oh, something down in me say go ahead. That was a whole song. Go ahead, go ahead, oh, something down in me say go ahead. See? See, you remember that? That's, you sounded like my mom used to sound. Go ahead. See, when you get a real vision of a future, something down in, on the inside of you will say 
Go ahead. Tell your neighbor, go ahead. In other words, if you don't hear from the inside, I'm going to give it to you from the, from the outside. Go, go ahead. Don't go back. Go ahead. Don't draw back. Keep on going. Don't stall. Don't stop. Keep on going ahead because your future is in front of you. Don't look behind you. Nothing there. So he has a glorious future for us. Y'all got this here. Somebody say, I have a future. Go to Jeremiah 31, please. Jeremiah 31, verse 15. Jeremiah 31, verse 15. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I'm going to read verse 15 through 17. You got it? It says, thus says the Lord, a voice was heard in Ramah, Lamentation and bitter weeping. Rachel weeping for her children. Now this is this is a, a picture of you know, Rachel uh, was Jacob's wife, the wife he loved. But it's a picture of the generations that she, as as uh, the mother, is weeping for her lost children. Okay, refusing to be comforted for her children because they are no more. Her children are gone. Verse sixteen. Thus says the Lord. Refrain your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears for your work. What work? All that crying, all that intercession. That's what verse 15 was about, their intercession. So your work shall be rewarded, says the Lord. That's good for an intercessor. Your work shall be rewarded, says the Lord, and they shall come back from the land of the enemy. If I'm a parent and I have a child that's lost or wandering around, boy, I'll, I'll be in some intercession like verse 15. Until the Lord says, all right, that's it. I got it. You got it. I'm going to bring your children back. I wish I had a couple shouts. Amen. He says, there is hope in your future, says the Lord, that your children shall come back to their own border. There is hope in your future. That your children shall come back to their own border. I, I want to read that in the, um, the Living Bible. In the Living Bible, in Jeremiah 31, verse 15 through verse 17. Let's see if I can see this small print here. It says, the Lord spoke to me again, saying, in Ramah there is bitter weeping. Rachel is weeping for her children, and she cannot be comforted, for they are gone. But the Lord says, don't cry any longer. For I have heard your prayers, and you will see them again. Somebody ought to shout about that, boy. They will come back to you from the distant land of the streets. Going off in other lifestyles and other ways and other things they're doing and on drugs, whatever. They're going to come back from the land of the enemy. There is hope for your future, says the Lord. And your children will come again to their own land. So God is talking about, I'm going to give a hope and a future for your children. No matter how it looks right now, no matter how far they're wandering off, don't, don't stop your intercession. Don't stop believing God for them. God's going to bring them back because they are part of your future. Boy, 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 boy. Your saved, sanctified, 
Holy Ghost-filled, serving God children are part of your future. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I say you got a great future. I say you have a bright future. You have a glorious future in store for you. I don't care how it looks right now, you have a glorious future in, in ahead of you. Hallelujah. Now, some of y'all, if everything's peachy keen right now, you might just, okay, that's wonderful, it's wonderful. But anybody who's going through any kind of rough time, boy, I'm just trying to encourage you right now. You have a glorious future ahead of you. If you stick with God. And it includes your children. You shall be saved and your household. They're part of it. They're part of it. I said they're part of it. I said they're part of it. This ain't for you. This is for somebody else in the church. They're, they're part of it. They're part of your future. Hallelujah. It's a bright future. All right. Let me keep going here. Everybody say bright future. future. Now, here's here's the, the dilemma that we find ourselves in most times is that the devil is very cunning. He's very tricky. He's very deceptive. And what he wants to do is make you and me as believers think that we're missing something. That because we're serving God, we're walking with God, that out there, they're having all the fun. In here, it's so boring. In here, you're never going to have anything. In here, it's always going to be struggling. A lot of that is a part of, is the church's fault because we used to sing songs about going up the rough side of the mountain, struggling and straining on our way home. Precious Lord, take my hand, lead me on, help me stand. I'm tired, I'm weak, I'm worn. And we were singing those old slave driving songs that painted a bleak picture of our walk with God, and God said, that's not the life I gave you. The Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard. The way of the sinner is hard. It's not hard to be a believer. It's not hard to walk with God. That way is hard. But the devil, what he does is he likes to flash this um, um, other thing, other thing in our faces to make us think somehow we're missing out. And it's a deception. He wants to make sure he parades all the prosperity and success of his, his children in front of us to make us think, man, they really got it going on. God, when is going to be my time? Is there any profit in serving God? I know I'm right. Ain't nobody got to say nothing about no. I know I'm right. I know I'm right. You don't look at some of your cousins in your own family. They show up to the family reunion in a new whatever. They post everything on Instagram and Facebook about their new whatever. 
their little vacation and they whatever, whatever they're doing, their weekend. And it's, he, the devil going to make sure somehow you find that to get you all in your feelings, all in your soul about what you're missing out on. But what I want to make sure you know is you're not missing out on anything but destruction. You see, because there is no peace, the Bible says, for the wicked. The way of the transgressor is hard. And what they put on Instagram and Facebook with the filters to make everything look like it's so gravy and so great, don't be fooled by that. You see? Now let's go some, somewhere over here again, please. Go to Psalm uh, 73. I don't want you to be moved by the world. Don't be moved by the world's prosperity, the world's success. Don't be moved by that. Look at Psalm 73. I'm going to go right to the, the living Bible for sake of time. Psalm 73, let me get there. And uh, I'm going to begin reading at verse 13. I want you to listen along, and they'll, they'll have it on the screen for us, please. Psalm 73, verse 13, in the living Bible. Is it there? You got it? Okay, let's hear, see what the psalmist says here. And tell me if you feel like this sometimes. Have I been wasting my time? Why take the trouble to be pure? Why am I walking right, living right, trying to serve God? <laughs> Some of y'all quiet. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Here's how, here's how he feels, because he in his feelings. All I get out of it is trouble and woe. Every day and all day long. Now watch this. Something snaps in him. If I had really said that, I would have been a traitor to your people. He's talking to God here. Yet it is so hard to explain it, this prosperity of those who hate the Lord. Pastor telling us we tithe, pastor telling us we sow, pastor telling us we give, pastor telling us we got we to pray, pastor telling us we got to fast, pastor telling us we do all this, we got to serve the Lord, and man, I'm struggling. Look at my friend. Look at my neighbor. Look at my auntie. Yet it is so hard to explain it, the prosperity of those who hate the Lord. Then one day, I went into God's sanctuary to meditate. See, now he changes his view. Instead of looking at the world, he goes to the sanctuary and now he's going to meditate. He's going to think on some other things. And that's the problem. The devil will have us thinking about those things and not thinking on things that are lovely and honest and true and of good report and pure. We'll be thinking about the wrong things. And when you think of the wrong things, you, they, they say you study wrong, uh, you study alone, you study wrong. 
See, you said the wrong things, and now those things are going to consume your heart, and you'll develop different or bad ideas about God and the kingdom. Some people quit. People draw back. That's why people faint in the way. That, that, that's why God, listen to me on this. Y'all listen to me on this. Listen, 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 listen. That's why God, so if we would hear God, I mean, really hear God, that's why God along the way does things to keep our soul in the game. What, what do you mean by that, Pastor? That's why God, he knows you're believing for this huge, massive thing, but along the way, he'll give you this here to keep your soul in the game. Oh, y'all hear me. That's why, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a proponent for getting out of debt. The Lord brought my wife and me out of debt a few years back. He's brought many of you all in here out of debt. But I had to learn the hard way. Thank God I had a wife who could help me with that, see that. Along the way, I was so bent on getting out of debt, I wouldn't let my soul enjoy anything along the way. And when that happens, your soul gets frustrated. You forget this old thing, man. So God knows how to, how to if you allow this, placate your soul. Say, hey, no, uh, go out to eat. <laughs> no, go ahead, go ahead and buy you some shoes. No, I'm going to get out of debt. I'm going to get out of debt. Humble yourself. Let me exalt you. Don't tell me what you're going to do and I'm trying to tell you what to do. I don't need your help. I just need your, co your cooperation, right? And what the Lord told Pastor Kim, she gave that to us. See? So he'll tell you, hey, buy the dress. <laughs> y'all got that? How many of y'all working on come out of debt? Along the way, listen to God. Now, not you. Listen to God. When God says, do that, do it. Humble yourself and do it because he's trying to keep your soul. So husbands and wives, you don't end up fighting each other. All right, where did I leave off? Oh, about what we're thinking about here. Verse 17. I went into God's sanctuary to meditate. Notice where, you're going, where you need to be to get the answers right here. And thought about the future of these evil men. Thought about the what? Thought about the what? So he stopped thinking about their present. Remember, he was, trying to, he was messed up by their present. He started thinking about their future, though. Verse 18. What a slippery path they are on. Suddenly, God will send them sliding over the edge of the cliff and down to their destruction. An instant end to all their happiness and eternity of Verse 20, their present life, their present life, this is the wicked, this is the sinner, this is the people we all looking at and gawking over when we look and see them online. Their present life is only, come on, a dream 
they will awaken to the truth as one awakens from a dream of things that never really were. Do y'all see that? Things that never really were. So when in the world they're saying, oh, I'm living my dream life. You got that right, buddy. It is a, it's just a dream. Because when, when the reality sets in, none of it's going to be there. None of it's real. So what God needs us to do is stop looking at that and get back in the sanctuary and meditate on what's real. Because what's real is you may not be living your dream life now, but God is taking you into it. They are in what they think is their dream life now, but he's bringing them out of it. So while you're going up, they're coming down. So don't be jealous, don't be envious, don't be talking about them. No, while they're coming down, God's raising you up at the same time. Boy, I wish I had some witnesses on that here. I got a few more minutes. Y'all sure? Okay. Thank you, Jesus. So don't be moved by their success, by their prosperity. Proverbs 24, verse 19 and 20. I like this, again, in the Living Bible. Proverbs 24, verse 19 and 20 in the Living Bible. Says this, don't envy the wicked. Don't covet his riches. For the evil man, what? Has no future. See, that's what I told you a few minutes ago. See, God has to give you a future. The evil man, the ones we gawk over, they have no future. Man, they're doing good, man. They balling. Just keep watching. See? Remember our main scripture, we'll get to this Wednesday night, hopefully. Mark the perfect man. Consider the upright man. The future of that man is prosperity, is peace. See, so that one here, that evil man has no future. All right, that didn't excite you. Let's look at Proverbs 23, <laughs> verse 17 and 18. They never started a clock for me, so I don't know how long I've been up. All right. Proverbs 23, verse 17 and 18. From the Living Bible. Be careful what y'all ask for now. Okay, Proverbs 23, verse 17 and 18. No, no, no. Don't evil, I'm sorry, don't envy evil men. You see that again? But continue to reverence the Lord, how often? For surely you have. Now, we just read the, the wicked men have no future. They have no future. But surely you have a wonderful future ahead of you. There is hope for you yet. Everybody say, I have a wonderful future ahead of me. Say it again, I have a wonderful future ahead of me. See, I'm not thinking about what the wicked are doing. We, we read it in Psalm 37, we'll get to it Wednesday. I've seen the wicked flourish like a green bay tree. I mean, they look like they're doing so well. But when it's all said and done, it's like that, it's going to be gone. Y'all got this here? 
So don't envy evil men, but continue to reverence the Lord all the time. For surely you have, I have a wonderful future ahead of me, and there is hope for me yet. So I have a wonderful future ahead of me. Doesn't matter where I am now, no matter what's going on now, I have a wonderful future ahead of me. Now that's only in reverencing God. Oh boy. All right, let me see if I can give you just a little bit more. I'll give you a little bit more today. Write this down. Don't follow the wisdom of the world. I want everybody to hear this. Don't follow the wisdom of the world. 1 Corinthians 3. Again, I'm going to go right to the Living Bible. Okay? I'm glad I brought it with me today. Forgot it when I first came out. Thank God we went back there. 1 Corinthians 3. We'll start at verse 18. Everybody ready? Yes, sir. <laughs> you sure you're ready? Because yes, it's going to start out kind of strong. First Corinthians 3, verse 18, the Living Bible. Stop fooling yourselves. <laughs> I told you, I, well, I warned you, didn't I? I told you it's going to start out strong. It's a crime and a shame when you fool yourself. Now, fool other people, that's one thing, but fool yourself, something wrong with you. Now, listen to this. This is how he's saying when you, what, I got to make sure you stop fooling yourself. He says, if you count yourself above average in intelligence. I'm looking at some of y'all smarty pants in here. I'm not slow of learning. I'm not an imbecile. I'm above average in intelligence. I'm looking at most of y'all in here. Y'all, I, I hope all of y'all, I assume, I don't know. But, but no matter where, no matter how high you are. He says, if you count yourself above average in intelligence, as judged by this world's standards, you have better put this all aside and be a fool rather than let it, your intelligence, hold you back from the true wisdom from above. So what he's saying, the problem with many of us in the body of Christ is we're too smart for God. We're so doggone intelligent. We can think quickly and we have high level of cognizance and we have high level of, of, of an intellect. We, you know, we're mental society people. I mean, all that kind of good stuff. Graduated, top of the class. Summa and magna cum laude. Valedictorian. But broke and sick, and busted, and disgusted, in trouble, can't sleep, can't make anything work out, 
So he says, stop fooling yourself. All the smart people. Because he said that, that intellect, that intelligence rather, is holding you back. It's holding you back. <laughs> Verse 19. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. I mean, God laughs at all this world's wisdom. All of their research, all their science, all their development, all their intellect, God says, he laughs at that. That's funny. That's foolery to God. As it says in the book of Job, listen to this, God uses man's own brilliance to trap him. Oh, y'all, are y'all seeing this? He stumbles over his own wisdom and falls. So God will let you trap yourself with your own intelligence. Let's just keep on bumping your head, bumping your head over and over again. Keep going, Pastor. All right. Verse 20. And again, in the book of Psalms, we are told that the Lord knows full well how the human mind reasons and how foolish and futile it is. God knows how this mind, he, remember he made these minds. He made these minds. All right. Now let's watch what he says here. You, I want y'all to hear this part here. This is, this is good. So, again, let me, let me go back here. Verse 19 says, the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. Okay, this, the world's wisdom is earthly, sensual, and demonic. So we got we to gotta leave that. That's what he gets to in verse 21 when he says, so don't be proud <laughs> of following the wise men of this world. Oh, I went to so-and-so seminar. Boy, they told me this is how you do it. And you're just proud. Yeah. I looked up on WebMD. This is what they said. <laughs> Don't be proud of following the wise men of this world. For God, come on, has already given you everything you need. That means not from the world. Oh, doggone it. Not from the world. I've already given you everything you need. That means you don't need the world's advice. You don't need the world's wisdom. You don't need the world's assistance. I've given you all things that pertain to life and godliness. I've already blessed you with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. I've already given you exceeding great and precious promises by which you may be partakers of my divine nature. You don't need the world. Oh, y'all ain't saying much. I say you don't need the world. Oh, you better take the shot. I already had the shot.
It only took one dose. It only last six months. No, this lasts for eternity. I took the shot already. Now, I'm not picking on the world. People got to do what they want to do. You do whatever your faith tells you to do. God will meet you right where, wherever your faith is. You got to just work with you right there. But I'm talking about what I realize is I don't need the world's wisdom. I don't need nothing from them. And I'm telling you, whether you accept it or not, you don't need nothing, anything from the world. Because why would I get, take something from them who have no future? That means that whatever wisdom they use, whatever mechanism they're using, is bringing them to nothing. So why would I, why in the world would I follow somebody going nowhere? The Bible's telling us that the wicked, the evil men have no future. Why in the world would you follow people who have no future? They are going somewhere to die. Their lives is a dead end. Why would I follow anything they say? Oh, this is too rough. Uh, this, this might be more for Wednesday night, for sure. I don't know, because people are looking like, well, I need, I need them, I need them. What, what you, okay, go ahead. But when you end up with no future like them, don't come back to me crying, but I don't know what happened. Because you're following folk who have no future. Well, every, every, everybody doing it. My mama used to say, if all your friends jump off the Skyway Bridge. Y'all knew my mom, my, yeah. If all your friends are on the Skyway Bridge, would you jump on the Skyway Bridge too? No. no. My mom said, well, why would you fall and do what they do? All right, let me finish here. Let me finish. Everybody say, there's no future for the wicked. So I'm not following them. Their wisdom is futile. In fact, we read he uses their wisdom to trap them. So why would you keep following their wisdom and end up in a trap with them? The reason why God used a trap for them is so their wealth can end up in your hands. But if you get trapped in a trap with them, you're going down with them. How many of y'all believe the Bible? Yes. Come on, help me out. How many of y'all really believe the Bible? Yes, Are we reading the Bible? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Ooh-wee, where I leave off? Verse 21. So don't be proud of following the wise men of this world, for God has already given you everything you need. He has given you the fivefold ministry. Do y'all see that? He's giving you Paul, this apostle. Apollos, apostle, Peter, apostle, as your helpers. What? So the fivefold ministry is here to help you. Ephesians 4.12 talks about perfecting of the saints. 
Equipping of the saints. Edification of the body of Christ. So he's, he gives us the fivefold ministry, oh Jesus, to help us. Help us what? Get to the future God has for us. Because I have some news, some disturbing news for most Christians. You cannot get there by yourself. Oh, I don't need nobody but Jesus, as long as I got King Jesus. If King Jesus was all you need, Jesus would not have gone ascended and given gifts to men. He gave gifts to men. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers. He gave that. Which means, listen to this, don't get mad. If you do, just you're going to get glad later on. He put something in me for you. Oh, Jesus. He put something on the inside of me and all the fivefold ministry for you. That's things he put in fivefold ministry or other people for me. That's why I'm my man of God. I need my man of God's voice. That's why I was telling him up there on the other night, Friday night, how the devil tried his darndest last year to separate us from our man of God. We were, we were really this close. Going through all this mess with all the racial tension and all the things going, because you know, my, my, my spiritual dad is white. I don't know if y'all realize that. You'll see him when he comes out, he's white. And the devil tried to use all that mess to separate us. Why? Because the devil knows if I stay with God, the future that's in store for me. So what he will do is to disconnect you from your man and or woman of God through foolishness, through bitterness, through, through selfishness, through silliness, through resentment, through anger, through upsetness, and that ain't a word, it's, it's a word, it's, you, whatever stupid thing he can to get you in your feelings. Because he knows you need our help. Who do you think he is? I'm your helper. He put me here to help you. Somebody act like, act like you appreciate that. Just say thank you, Lord. I, just do it for me right now. Just, just for me. Just to make me feel better. Please, God. Like I need my man of God. I need my woman of God. See, I'm your helper. I'm not here to lord over you. I'm not here for that. Most of them people try to do for me. I try to say, hey, don't do that. I got it. I carry my own Bible. <laughs> I you know what I'm saying? Nobody, I'm not here for that. I appreciate all the honor. I appreciate all the reverence. I appreciate all the submission. I appreciate that. But I'm here to help you. I mean, my wife and I just flew back into town yesterday, late yesterday, after preaching all week long. And everybody's like, well, you have somebody else preach. No, God put me here for you. I had to come and get a word. That's why I couldn't hardly rest all night. I'm up all night. God, give me a word for the people. I didn't have this already. I didn't, I didn't go online and find a message. Give me a message, Lord. No, Lord, give me what the people need. I'm here to help the people, Lord. 
you too much to be going in a magazine or some book, some online trying to find a word. I got to spend time with God. God knows. I, I say, Holy Ghost, tell me what the people need to hear. Not what you want to hear. Tell me what the people need to hear. To get your people to the next level. To get your people to the next dimension of their lives. To get them to this beautiful life you've been telling us about. So he said, watch this. He gave us Paul, Apollos. Let me finish up here. I'm out of time. Paul, Apollos, and uh, Peter as your helper. These are all apostles. It's a five-fold ministry. Then watch this. Watch this. This is going to bless somebody. He has given you the whole world to use. So don't let them use you who you're supposed to be using. Good God Almighty, I don't know who that's for. Stop letting the world use you. He said he gave you the whole world to use, not abuse, to use. The world is yours. Oh, I wish I had somebody. Get, the world, this world is yours. I said this world is yours. This earth does not belong to the heathen. This earth belongs to the children of the Most High God. We've been letting them sit on our stuff, have our stuff, manage our stuff, run our stuff, own our stuff, and God said, that's it, time's up. I'm about to shift everything into the hands of my people. I'm giving you this whole world to use. Oh, Jesus. Tell your neighbor, don't be scared. Because he's giving you life and even death as your servants. Do you see that in the text? Life is your servant. That means you don't let life dictate to you what happens. Too many people letting life tell them what happens. Well, that's just fate. That's just how things go. That's just how things go in life. Life is your servant. You tell life what you're going to do. I shall live and not die. And declare the works of the Lord. Today's going to be a good day. No, well, you know how life goes. And, you know, well, you just turned 50 and you just turned 60. And, you know, things in life, things start going down. No, 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 no. Life, you don't tell me. I tell you. Life, I'm going to get stronger at 50. I'm going to get stronger at 60. I'm going to get stronger at 70. I'm going to get stronger at 80. Life, you're my servant. I don't serve life. Life serves me. And death. And death. Death is your servant. That means death don't tell you when he's coming. Death don't tell you when we're going to take you out. You say, death, stay over there till I'm good and ready. I'm going to live here. I'm going to live long till I'm satisfied. I'm going to stay here till I'm satisfied. I'm going to stay here till I see that glorious future that God put on the inside of my spirit. I ain't leaving here till I finish everything God gave me to do. Stay where you are. And when I'm ready, I'll let you know. When I'm ready, I'll say, all right, death, listen, on, on Tuesday, 
On Tuesday, I'll call the family in. Y'all come around. I'm going to go ahead and uh, leave here. I'm done. I finished my course. I kept the faith. I've, you know, kept the fight and so forth. All right, death. All right, now I'm, I'm ready to leave now. I wish I had somebody who believed that. See, because I'm, I'm not making this up. This is what the Bible says. All right, here we go. Here we go. Let's finish it out. Watch this. Death and life, life and death of your servants. He has given you. He has given you. He has given you all of the present and all of the future. The future belongs to you. The future belongs to you. What God has shown you, the future belongs to you. Life is not going to go the way it wants to go. You're going to go the way God showed you because the present and the future right now is yours. So stop having this one of these old days mentality. No, today. That's why when David faced that Goliath, that giant, David said, this day. David had a revelation of this already. This day. I'm going to kill you and I'm going to feed your corpse to the birds this day. Jesus had a revelation of that. He said, this day you shall be with me in paradise. This day. I am the resurrection of life, not, not future. This day. See? So when I understand that the present is mine and the future is mine, that puts me back in charge. All are yours and you belong to Christ and Christ is God's. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I have a bright future ahead of me. Matter of fact, the more I read this, my present looking better. Anybody got that? My present's starting to look a little better. I think, I think, boy, the day's going to be off the chain. The path of the just. Proverbs 4.18, the path of the just. Like the shining sun. It gets brighter and brighter to the, to the, to the perfect day. That means every day. Boy, every day getting better and better and stronger and stronger and prettier and prettier and brighter and brighter. Oh, yeah, I'm getting closer and closer to my future that God has shown me. I have a glorious future. I have a bright future. If I stay with God. If I stay with God. You come back Wednesday night. I'm asking you to do it. And I'm going to go further in this because i got to break down Psalm 37. And show you that we are the ones. Write this down. We're the ones with the bright futures. We're the ones with the bright futures. It's believers. We're the only ones. Not the world. 
for the future of the world, there's no bright future for them. People can make up all the programs they want to to offer children a brighter future. And they do it, and it's wonderful the works that, you know, even we do to help children have a brighter future. But the most important thing we have to do is get them to walk with Jesus. Because that's the only assurance of a bright future. Education is wonderful. Education is so wonderful. Education is important. It's critical. It's critical that we, we have our children educated. It's, it's, I understand that. But that's not more critical than them walking with Jesus. Because hell will be laced with smart, intelligent people who knew everything, knew every formula, knew all the history and everything. But heaven will be covered with people who laid down that intelligence, became fools. That's how the King James says it. Become fools that you may become wise. I lay aside that worldly wisdom. I become a fool to the world. Become wise in the kingdom. That way I can walk with God into the bright, glorious future he has for me. Do y'all receive that today? Why don't you give God a praise today if you receive that word? Come on, let the Lord know you appreciate that word today. Tell your neighbor you have a bright future ahead of you. There's a prophet who's in heaven now. Went to heaven a few years back. He prophesied all over, all over the world. Prophet Kim Clement. Some of you may have heard of him. He used to have this little jingle he'd say, say you somewhere in your future and you look much better than you look right now. You're somewhere in your future and you look much better than you look right now. See? That's how God always sees us. The reason Jesus came and died on the cross was because he saw our future. The Bible said, look unto Jesus, author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, see, he saw the future. He endured the cross and despised the shame and is now set at the right hand of the Father. Because he saw the future. And in that future, he saw me, he saw you, he saw our children, he saw our grandchildren, and so on. And he made a way for you and me to step into a glorious future. God has a plan for your life, and it's big. And all he wants to do is submit to him, and we can walk in it. Amen? Amen. We're going to pray today. But I want to first give the invitation for somebody today in this place. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, if you've not already stepped into this place where you're in a relationship with Jesus Christ, we have him in your heart. Not just being a part of a church, that's wonderful, but to actually have Jesus Christ living on the inside of your heart. You've not been born again. I want to make sure that you take that step, that giant step 
in your life because that's what opens you up to the glorious future. Jesus said, I'm the door of the sheep. See, so we have to come through him to step into that glorious future. He said, if you, when you do that, you'll go in and out and find green pastures. Okay? So every head bowed, every eye closed. I want to invite somebody today in this place to know Jesus Christ. So whoever you are, wherever you are, if you say, Pastor, uh, I don't know Jesus Christ for myself. I've never started a relationship with Jesus for myself. And I want to make sure I do that today so that I can receive all God has for me so that he can help get me out of what I've been stuck in my whole life, whether you're a child or whether you're a grown person. He can deliver you out instantly. So whoever you are, if that's you and you say, I, I want to make that step today, I want you to raise your hand. I, I want to pray for you. I want to pray for somebody today to get born again, to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. Whoever you are, it doesn't matter if you're, this is your very first time here or you've been in this church your whole life. You need to be born again. Jesus said so in John 3. He said you must be born again. So whoever you may be, I want to give you that chance right now to know Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Those of you that are watching online, if you're at home and you're not born again, wherever you are, you can call the church. Call our prayer counselors. They'll pray for you right over the phone. You can give your life to Jesus Christ right where you are. Right where you are. You see, I think the Bible made it very plain to us. There is no hope, no future for the sinner. None. So don't let the devil tease you and trick you with this glamorous stuff he shows in the world. This is what happens to so many of our young people. They're seduced by the world because the devil shows them all the stuff in the world. And they look at the world like, that. wow, that's so wonderful. It's not. It's a facade. It's fake. It's phony. The Bible says, and the Bible does not lie. It's truth all the way through it. There's no future for the, for the, the sinner, for the wicked one. It's only in Christ that we have a future. My heart grieves that in this city over the last several weeks we've seen so many young people gunned down. Young lady just last Sunday night celebrating Easter in the park, planning on being at work the, being at work the next day, I guarantee had no thought that Sunday night would be her last night on this planet. Young lady riding in a car. I guarantee she had no thought that that day would be her last day on this planet. Young man killed just yesterday. I guarantee they had no thought that yesterday would be his last day on this planet. And they're young, strong. And I don't know whether they were born again. I don't know. I'm not here to judge anybody. My hope is they were. My hope is they were. Because life is cut off in an instant. So I want to make sure today before you leave, everybody has that chance. So I'll ask this my last time. If you're in this place not born again, I want to give you that chance to get born again today. To get born again. Everybody here is born again already? Okay. All right, well, Lord, today I've made the appeal. And 
Everyone's heard. I ask that, Father, those who are not born again, yet that they will humble themselves and receive the free gift of salvation that you've given us through Jesus Christ. That, Father, that you will continue to show mercy and long-suffering and patience with them. Don't allow the enemy to snuff them out of life like he's been snuffing people out of, out of this life in this city in these last several weeks. God, keep your mercy and your grace upon them. We ask that God, even those in this house that are right here now, that God, you dispatch angels to be around them. Lord, you know the future that you have planned for them. That future, that hope, that expected end that you have for their lives. We ask that God, that you would keep them, Lord, and bring them into what you've called us to live in. That God, those who you foreknew, you predestined, you called them, you justify them and glorify them. And God, every one of us today, thank you. We thank you that you brought us out of darkness into your marvelous light and put us on this path that's getting brighter and brighter to the perfect day. Thank you for the glorious future that's in store for us. We will walk in it. We'll stick with you. And we're not turning back ever. We're walking with you all of our days. We love you. We give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Put those hands together and give God a once again a great big hand of praise. <laughs> Hallelujah.